As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everybody what's up welcome into the athletic fantasy football podcast it is tuesday may 31st summer has unofficially slash officially begun with memorial day behind us on this episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast me jake seeley and brandon funston are going to go through all four teams in the nfc east breaking them down from a fantasy perspective mr funston how was your memorial day um, well, my daughter is getting ready to graduate, so my wife decided oh. that Memorial Day weekend was going to be all about flower beds and getting ready for <laughs> inviting people over to our house so it looks nice. So, oh, beautiful. Uh, it was not, uh, yeah, it was not barbecuing and, and drinking beers and having a good old relaxing time. It was uh, weeding. Oh, <laughs> and not doing that in a good old relaxing time either, I imagine. No, that's uh, never. That's like the worst <laughs> ju- that's like the worst task known to man. Oh, uh, man, I did a little of all that in fact. Uh little little barbecue, little beers, little uh buying of some flowers and getting the uh getting all that ready too. So it was a jam-packed weekend for me. Jake Seeley, how was your Memorial Day, man? It was good. I got to go down <laughs> to North Carolina, spent time with the girlfriend, did a speech for Memorial Day. Fallen soldiers, all that type of stuff was really well done. She actually, you know, people thought it was an amazing speech. People teared up and everything. It was very moving. So I got to spend and then some time wait, out wait, at the wait. beach. I was in North Carolina. What? Give some context what? to that. What? What? What were you doing? There was a there was a speech given where. My she was Nicole was doing a speech for the city and Cape or Nags Head and doing a speech for like Memorial Day for veterans and Memorial Day soldiers remembrance. The whole you know city all got around that type of thing. Okay. Nice. I just wanted to get a little bit more context there because that sounded pretty, oh, yeah. pretty cool. She, so. she serves. She, she's in the duck fire and police department, basically oh. the administrator. So she, ser- she was deployed during 9-11 and everything. So, yeah. Wow. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. Very nice. 
That is uh, that's a nice weekend right there. Well, fun. Yeah. You come in last place for weekend rankings. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I, I can't even argue with that. I was. That's I mean, where it's not I even assume. my weekend. I technically come in last. I just sat there and watched her have the great weekend. Hey, but you, uh, you're necessary you element. Sit, you got to sit there, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. I was not doing sitting. Yeah, you are a, sit. a necessary element in that weekend. There we go. That's that's good. That's that's what the uh, TAFFP crew did on Memorial Day. We all know that you were waiting with bated breath to hear about that, and certainly waiting with bated breath to hear what we think about the NFC East. That's the division we're going to talk about as we continue our division by division preview, setting the stage for when we really dive in headfirst into fantasy football prep after the 4th of July. So let's do it, guys. NFC East, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Commanders. That is the order in which we will attack this division. So we start with the Cowboys. We start at the top. Jake Seeley, is Dak Prescott still a surefire QB1? Yes, uh, I still say so, but lower half now. I think part of the question of no Amari Cooper as much as we got frustrated with him in fantasy, but what it can do now that Michael Gallup supposedly ready for week one, but whatever it might be, I still top 10, I'd say in the Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, if he has a slight drop off in his touchdown production, he's in that range. He's back back half of the QB1. I think he's fine. I think the biggest change that we see is it's not even so much Dak passing, it's just not getting the 356 rushing touchdowns every single year. So similar to Russell Wilson now, you drop off a little bit of that, and you're just in the back half of the QB1. Maybe he falls out if two other people make a huge jump like Lance and Fields start all 17 games and run for 700, 800 yards each. Yeah, I mean, it did not It did not feel like a 37-touchdown pass season from Dak Prescott. There were some serious valleys along the way, but I think that's kind of – I think that's a positive that we basically saw him – not at his best, and there he was as he was still a top 10 fantasy quarterback who threw for 37 touchdowns, and that was a year, you know, remember, he had the injury that he was coming back from, so I think that we put that, this water under the bridge going into this year, which is kind of nice, so you can, I think maybe we get some of those rushing numbers back now that he's a little bit further from that injury, um, but as it is, we, you know, he threw almost 600 passes, 37 touchdowns. Like if that's kind of like the first year kind of working out the Kings coming back from a major injury, then I, I like where we're at with him in the, the following season. Yeah, I kind of want to present the downside, but it's it's hard to see it falling out of what you guys are talking about. He's right now on Fantasy Pro's consensus rank. He's QB8, underdog ADP, which I'll reference a few times in this show. It's best ball, so maybe it's going to look a little bit different than what your actual drafts look like a couple of months from now. But he's QB10 there, and like for the Fantasy Pro's rankings, he's right ahead of Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, are 9, 10, 11, and 12. I don't really want to push him behind. Yeah, maybe I would take Brady over him. Yeah, maybe I, I could see Russ, but like I'm not going to push him behind necessarily all those guys. And then the next group of guys includes Trey Lance, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, who I'm certainly not going to push him behind. And so I think that, yeah, that's what we're looking at, right? Whereas the last, the previous couple of seasons, we were talking about Dak as a top five, six QB. Now we're still talking about him as a comfortable QB one, but not going to be uh, messing around with Josh Allen and Mahomes and Herbert and Lamar and guys like that. He's in that next group of guys, a comfortable QB one, but not someone who you're thinking is going to be a top three player at his position. How about the top two running backs on this team, you guys? What are we thinking, Funston, about the running back situation for these Dallas Cowboys? I think it is wildly interesting in terms of who leads the backfield, who 
what that person ends up looking like in terms of ranking at the running back position. It's a fun backfield to think about for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott was kind of like Dak Prescott, you know, like he ends up being a, what, top six fantasy running back last year when if you had him on your roster and we're, we're riding the week, weekly ups and downs, um, it, you know, once he tweaked his knee kind of early on, he was going gangbusters for about the first month or so, and then he tweaked his knee. And then he was almost TD dependent and, you know, PPR dependent down the stretch. So I feel like this is the year um, that we get more Tony Pollard just out of preservation for Ezekiel Elliott. And the fact that they lose Amari Cooper and Tony Pollard can be lined up as a, you know, in receiving situations Mm -hmm. where they can both Mm -hmm. be on the field. I just think that they might get a little bit more creative in using these guys in concert. And it might be better for Zeke overall that he, you know, takes down a few carries and and keeps him fresh uh, throughout the whole year. Yeah, I think that we're probably looking at last year's split, but even a little bit more. And I don't even necessarily know that it's Tony Pollard. They've made some mentions about Rico Dowdle and thinking that Dowdle could be something. And I don't really think he's going to cut in more than 20 to 30 carries. But, you know, you add in that and you add in maybe is talking about full team target or touch share, like 45 to 50 at most for Zeke. And now you're talking about only 210, 220 carries. So I think we'll see them very close in final position this year, Zeke and Pollard. And I could see the fact that neither one of them finished inside the top 20 this year, just because of opportunities, unless Zeke falls into the end zone 11, 12 times. And that's exactly where I was going to go with this too, Jake, is that on Fantasy Pros right now, again, early, early rankings, we're not going to take these and hammer them into stone or anything, but Zeke's RB18 and Tony Pollard is RB34, and I just don't think we're going to see that big of a gap between these two guys. I think it's going to be more probably 21-22 for Zeke and probably 29-30 mm-hmm. for Pollard, so yeah, about a half of a, or yeah, about a half of a tier, maybe the two-thirds of a tier gap. Funston, continuing this same exact theme that we're talking about with these Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb, another guy who, you know, felt like, I mean, it was a good, it was a good season. It was a fine season, but definitely did not feel as good as you wanted it to during the season and didn't quite live up to the preseason expectations. But here he is now the clear top wide receiver in Dallas with Amari Cooper gone wide receiver seven right now at fantasy pros wide receiver six by early underdog ADP. Can he live up to that this year? He can. He had 120 targets in 16 games last year. If you just take out, I mean, who? there's no one-for-one replacement for Amari Cooper's 103 targets that he had last year. It's going to be parceled out, and depending on how much you think of Jalen Tolbert. um, But I just think Amari Cooper is... You know, I, I look at certain receivers like they're chain movers. They're the kind of guys that command targets. And Amari Cooper is one of those guys. Michael Gallup is not one of those guys. I don't look at him as a chain mover guy that can just absorb a bunch of Amari Cooper's targets. I, C.D. Lamb can. He's he is a chain mover. You can put him anywhere on the field. Yes, I mean I had him on my roster on a couple of teams, and it was annoying watching him drop passes wide open across the middle on multiple occasions. And he really didn't live up to our expectations last year. It doesn't mean he can't do it this year. He's immensely talented. We've seen him play great. And as the lead dog and just being probably getting 150 plus targets, I don't know what you haven't projected for Jake, but I, I see 150 probably as his floor in this offense this year. 
So I think the bigger thing is that, you know, you're talking about 20% target share last year, and that's with Cooper. Uh, I would expect 21, even maybe 22%, and that's going to put him in the 140 to 150 target range, which you're now pushing close to 100 receptions, 1,300 yards, 8-9 touchdowns. There's a good chance that CeeDee Lamb is this year what we wanted him to be last year, and that's a potential top five wide receiver. Following right back up on that, Jake, is there? I mean, we know Michael Gallup is, uh, you know, looking as the wide receiver too, but he comes into this season uh, with some obvious questions attached to him. I mean, it, what's the opportunity at wide receiver behind Ceedee Lamb, considering we wouldn't expect the shape of this offense to change all that much? I think that it's going to come down to how healthy he is. Uh, for conservative purposes, through the first runner projections, I got Michael Gallup around fifteen percent. That could easily be 16, 17, 18%. Uh, the, right now, if he's ready for week one, then you push down Jalen Tolbert and James Washington, who you have like 12, 8% for them. So that's just what it comes down to. Even at the 15 conservative percent, you're still talking 60 receptions, 800 yards. So I think that gives you an idea of a nice floor. And then the upside for Gallup is significantly higher. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's, you're looking at you're looking at Gallup and, and Lamb, and I would not be shocked if someone kind of entered the equation. But I think it's kind of a wait and see approach. I mean, how how quickly can a guy like Jalen Tolbert hit the ground running and 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 become a guy? And I feel like Dak kind of has, you know, he ha- he plays to his favorites a little bit more maybe than than some quarterbacks. And so, like you know, who who kind of develops a rapport beyond you know C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz? And is Michael Gallup going to be ready to you know? take that on maybe there's a surprise there i wouldn't be shocked but i don't know if it's if it's a good thing to really be kind of speculating on in your drafts leading into the season unless we get a lot more information during the preseason yeah and maybe we do and i think a lot of that is going to be you know the information we're going to get is the health uh, of michael gallup is really what we're going to be basing a lot of this on and then you, you said the magic name there funston dalton schultz right i mean we know he's already uh well within Dak's circle of trust he was a top five fantasy tight end last year he did score a lot of touchdowns but he showed us a lot uh that he can do a, a lot of things that you would ask of a modern pass catching tight end he's tight end eight right now at fantasy pros he's tight end six by underdog adp uh where do you feel about that funston you feel that's fair for him or are well, we not giving well, enough credit for what he did last year 78 catches 808 yards and eight touchdowns i i think when you look at that again getting back to amari cooper being gone how does dalton schultz go down in in target share like the only thing you can kind of really point to there as is okay that could regress his touchdowns he could mm-hmm. end up with five or six touchdowns instead of eight that might change his value a little bit but i think 75 catches and 800 plus yards is is back on the table and it with with fairly high confidence and there's not too many tight ends out there that can say that so dalton schultz has kind of moved into that oh you know what i used to like to just kind of catch darren waller as the number five tight end and say okay that's a guy that if he stays healthy i know he can be a top three top four guy no problem well dalton schultz was a number four guy last year so to me it's almost like he's the real consolation mm-hmm. uh and you could almost talk yourself in, in to him being in that top five mix um you know as being like the, the sixth guy and that's a it's a tier of six but or, or a tier of five with Travis Kelsey being on his own. So however you want to look at it, I think he's a really nice consolation in fantasy drafts if you don't get one of those big name guys. 
So are you taking yours? You're going Schultz over Goddard, Schultz over Hawkinson. Am I hearing? I've that moved. I, I have. Yeah, I have. I'm a big Goddard guy, but they got AJ Brown, and suddenly it becomes a little bit more of a squeeze. And um, like if they didn't made the move for AJ Brown, I've been all over Goddard, but um, but they did. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> there you go, uh, Jake. Same same line of thinking for you. Or are you a little bit lower on Schultz? No, that's where I've had Schultz this entire time is basically I was actually making the argument. I, I think it was Pat Mayo's show where I said that um, it's a tier of three and then a tier of three again for me. I think mm-hmm. Kelsey's time at number one, still number one, but I think it's very close where Andrews and Pitts are in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the next three are Waller, Kittle, and Schultz. And if it's going to be Waller and Kittle, I won't put them on their own. I'll just wait, as Funston said, and take Schultz. And then I think the conversation is after that. It's Goddard, Hawkinson, and Ertz. So I think it's three, three, and three this year. And yeah, I'm with Funston. I'm very high on Schultz again. Because if if Golub's not 100%, and even if he is, Schultz could be the third where it used to be a wide receiver and similar to what he was. He was the third last year. I don't see much reason that he's going to get trumped by a rookie or James Washington as the third option this year. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you, guy. I think this is I'll make this one unanimous, too. I mean, I, I think exactly what Funston said, 75, 800 and then uh, his fair share of touchdowns, whether that maybe that does regress to five, maybe it sticks at eight. But the 75, 100 feels rock solid for Schultz this year as, as Floyd. maybe the 75. It's hard to write. I mean, how many cat? Is he going to catch that 800 feels like an absolute floor. And I think there's room for improvement for Dalton Schultz in the yardage department for sure. Yep. Don't disagree. And I think what I agree with your hearing, Jake, it's like, it's just that those six kind of are the six to me. That And I, I think there's, it's fair to say there's a three and three split, but mm-hmm. it's almost like Schultz is the last guy I would take. Before I just don't think about tight ends. Like if yep. I'm if I'm like okay if I have to wade in, into the Goddard Hawkinson Ertz even Fryermuth or whatever I'm just probably sitting I'm sitting out on tight ends for a little while after Schultz goes and and you know kind of waiting for someone else to drop towards the end of the draft. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, there might be someone who drops toward the end of the draft, and he's going to drop toward the end of the show, and that's a little bit of a teaser for you. But for now, let's talk about the New York football giants, you guys. Jake, what are we doing with Saquon Barkley? <laughs> I'm drafting Saquon Barkley everywhere again. I, I don't know how many times I have to say this. If people disagree with me, that's fine. I said it on when we talked about the Panthers. I'll say it again. Saquon Barkley if healthy, is going to be Saquon Barkley. And for people like, well, he wasn't last year. 
Well, he was at the end of September, right before he got hurt, when everybody was admitting he looked like the old Saquon Barkley, and then he rolled up his ankle, which was a freak injury. And then he came back and was never the same after that. Uh, similar to the year before, kind of came back a little bit early. Our own Dan Duggan said that he didn't look like he was getting to that second level like he used to before the ankle roll-up, and now he's healthy. And now you have a good offensive line, assuming what they've done to improve it with the draft pick Evan Neal and additions there. You assume Dable's going to mean more for this offense. And I just go back to what Barkley's talent is. Is Barkley, if people remember was an immense talent who, on a per-game basis, barely beat out Christian McCaffrey. That was several years mm-hmm. ago, but, you know, you're talking about Saquon Barkley. If healthy, I, I, you want to talk projections, if you want to say 4.4 yards per carry is a decent number, 7 yards per reception is a decent number, and he can do better than both of those, and he gets 280 touches, he's going to have 1,400, 1,500 yards. So that's what it comes down to. I'll take Barkley inside the top 10. Lower end of the top 10 to mitigate the risk, and I'm not going to take him over Najee Harris at this point, but I could see a path to Saquon Barkley being inside the top 10 once again. Yeah, I think there's. it's interesting. You know, you can basically say that Saquon Barkley, when he's healthy, is, you know, a fairly, fairly parallel kind of player to Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Yet Christian McCaffrey's had two negated years with injury, and he's still going top three, top four at running back. Saquon Barkley's kind of had the same, and you're getting him at like RB13, RB14. And I don't know that if they're both healthy, that they're, you know, that they're putting up that dissimilar in numbers. So I feel like you get the you get the kind of the uh, value CMC when you're drafting Barkley and not having to, to take on quite as much risk by drafting CMC as high as you do. If this were Madden and we could turn injuries off and we all knew that going into a draft, <laughs> we knew everyone was going to play 17 games. Where does uh, Saquon Barkley go, Funston? Well, I think you just go back to where he went when he didn't have the injuries. You know, he was in the equation is always a well, first of all, he was a one, two or three guy for a couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so I think you would say he would be top five if, if he's not going to get hurt. He's going to get a ton of targets. You, you feel better about the offense under Brian Dable's direction. Uh, you feel better about Daniel Jones getting closer to his upside under Brian Dable, you know, and it's just. Like and we know that Daniel Jones, you know, is it does a decent job of getting him the ball in the passing game. So I like, yeah, I would say he's top five, top six if we if we know that going in this year. Uh, Jake, what are we doing at wide receiver with this team because they're running it back? Kenny Galladay, Darius Tony, Sterling Shepard's still here. They drafted Wandale Robinson. I, I mean, like, I look at this group of guys and I think pass. <laughs> like, what, like, what do you think? Not in, not in like the literal sense, but in yeah, the like, I, yeah. I don't want anything to do with you sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm thinking. Well, what? Are, how are you breaking down this wide receiver group, Jake? I'm a major pass on Kenny Galladay, and if Dable's going to get something out of Daniel Jones, and what has been the issue from Daniel Jones from day one is not too dissimilar from Josh Allen and accuracy issues and not knowing how to throw to contested windows. Now, Josh Allen can, I'm saying, when he came out of college. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones still has that issue. We go back to last year. That's why I didn't like the Kenny Galladay signing. They don't match for what their skill sets are. So, 
you look down this roster and you say, how do you get Daniel Jones what he needs to succeed when how did you get Josh Allen what he needed to succeed? It's Stefan Diggs. There's no Stefan Diggs on this roster. So like, And I don't even mean as in if everybody hit their ceiling. There's still no Stefan Diggs on this roster. However, if you're going to try to get him open weapons and a fallback like a Cole Beasley for Josh Allen, then you start looking at Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, which is the more intriguing piece because Sterling Shepard just cannot stay on the field, unfortunately. And then you say, well, Wandell's a nice gadget piece, but probably more in the Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah McKenzie type of, you serve a role and that's it. So I say Shepard and Tony are the intriguing pieces. There was already talk on draft day that Slayton might not be on this roster come the opening day mm-hmm. of the season uh, when he got left out of the speech by D- Brian Dable and he named everybody <laughs> and then said, oh, and Slayton. <laughs> so that's definitely concerning. But yes, I would look for, I, I know we do this every single year, but this is why we do it every single year. Sterling Shepard's going to be free. Just take Sterling Shepard and hope you get whatever games you get out of him. And then Kandarius Tony would be the other one. I'm kind of out on Kenny Galladay for everything I just said. Yeah, I am too. I would say that I I would be all over Kadarius Tony if it wasn't that he isn't 100% right now and the fact that there was rumors that they were trying to deal him, you know, and it's like I don't love that. I Sterling Shepard's missed 20 games in the last 3 years and it's like, you know, if he's if he's healthy and he's out there, you know, it behooves you to have him on a roster. He probably puts up serviceable fantasy numbers, but Kadarius Tony is a guy that I think you know, has like that next level ceiling here. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't like the inju- the early injury history to his career, nor the sort of lack of confidence undertones with the, you know, talk of, of trying to deal him, whether that's because he's a pain in the ass to deal with in the locker room <laughs> or whether there's other things going on. But it doesn't seem like he has really kind of cemented himself as the future at the wide receiver core for the Giants. At my first run through uh, the projections as I've been working on them is I don't have anybody on this team with more than 16.2% of the target share, mm-hmm. and that's Galladay, which means nobody even gets 100 targets, nobody gets 60 receptions, and nobody gets 800 yards. So that just kind of tells you is that, and that's with 14.6 for Tony. Like everybody's gotten some. And, they, mm-hmm. and let's also remember too, you got Jordan Aikens and Ricky Seals-Jones Mm-hmm. Both on these teams who have proven to be somewhat decent pass catchers. So they're probably going to gobble up 14% right there, too. So I think it's just going to be one of those things where if you think this offense can succeed, how many times do I say this? Buy the cake and not the icing. Mm-hmm. This is the year to buy Daniel Jones if you think it's going no. to work. But it's not. But it, like, I didn't that's say exactly where I was going to go I next. I said if it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly where I was going to go next was that you can disagree if you want and you can disagree in your answer, but like, you know, we know, we basically know what Daniel Jones is and like, no one's like, there's no value in him in a typical, you know, one quarterback league. There's value in him in a super flex league because literally every starting quarterback in the NFL has some sort of value in a super flex league. But let's say you are invested in the giants. Let's say you're invested, of course, most notably in Saquon Barkley, but you have some high hopes for Kadarius Tony. You draft Sterling Shepard as your last receiver, and you want to see him work his way into like a flex discussion. What do you consider Jake a step forward from Daniel Jones as just a and like a, a competence level for the Giants' offense that then gives those guys a jumping off point for this season? Mm, complete sixty-two to sixty-three percent of your passes and. At that point, have a touchdown ratio in the 6% range, which if you put all that together and he plays the entire season, I mean, you'll be talking about 
closing in on 4,000 yards and 24, 25 touchdowns. Fantasy relevancy would lie in the fact that Daniel Jones is going to run and he'll have 60, 70, if a full season, maybe even 80 rushes and 4,000 yards with 23, 24, 25 touchdowns and you add his rushing share, he's going to end up being a low end QB one. That's a lot of ifs. And nobody's drafting him as such, and nobody should draft him as such. But similar to Sterling Shepard, a lot of if just being stay on the field. If Dable can work his magic, and if Daniel Jones, let's not forget, he needs to stay on the field with his back situation. There's a path to him being a low-end QB1. Yeah, how many how many quarterbacks can say they have a ninety yard rushing game in each of the last two years? It's, I mean, it's it's I mean, there that's a big part of the equation for sure. So if he can stay healthy, and as you said, just up that completion percentage, um, you know, the rushing yards are going to be there. And I think a lot of people kind of overlook that. But um, yeah, I mean, if 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 he has a good year, then Brian Dable, man, he yeah. <laughs> he he'll be able to just basically you know write write down what he wants for his next contract. <laughs> just give it to him. Oh, just put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, seriously. Just right. Wave any wave any requirements. Wave any waiting period. And just throw the dude in the Hall of Fame if he can take what he did with Josh Allen and get any sort of that into Daniel Jones. One quarterback we know is going to be very exciting and very sought after in this division from the fantasy world is Jalen Hurts. So let's talk about those Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, Jalen Hurts, Funston, QB7 at Fantasy Bros. He's QB6 by underdog ADP. How aggressive are you willing to get on Hurts this year? And I don't necessarily even mean at the quarterback position. Like, I'm not saying, oh, QB2. If you want to say QB2, go ahead and say QB2. But I more mean, like, how aggressive are you going to get on him when, like, the quarterbacks start coming off the board? Is there any feeling where, like, oh, I want to get in on Jalen Hurts now because there's a break at quarterback soon? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to get overly aggressive, partly because I don't like the real-life player, but I, I, I get it. I mean, he is the NFC's version of Lamar Jackson. They run a run-heavy, you know, RPO off. Once they flip the switch on that, um, you know, that was a that was a smart move. Philly looked a lot better doing it. So they kind of just look like the mirror image of the Ravens when things are going right on offense. And Jalen Hurts is, you know, the second best rushing threat in in football at the quarterback position. Um, it's weird for me to say that I don't I don't think he quite has Lamar Jackson's upside throwing the ball, but I think, you know, he's the kind of guy that's known for working really hard at getting better, and I just thought he was horrible as a passer at Alabama and he's come a long way already. And they're like, I just think he'll continue to work at his craft. And I would not be surprised if he continues to get better throwing the ball and he, he gave him some weapons. Like uh, a lot of teams have been doing, giving their young quarterback, you know, a legit, you know, legit try and, and given surrounding him with weapons that that'll help. So um, I'm not reaching, but I, I can see the the top five upside easy for sure. And there's you know people say that he could he could be the number one fantasy quarterback, and it would not be that far fetched. If you look at last year, I don't think a lot of people would guess that he had a sixty one point three percent completion percentage. What was yeah. what was that face for, Funston? <laughs> Oh well, for for the listeners, we've been dealing with some for, some audio issues on Jake's oh, end that Bella and I have been waiting wait, wait. through, and now just, you're coming we're through grinding, in cl- we're crystal clarity. It, yeah, now it's like this is the oh. best you've ever sounded. Oh, Jake, no, in your no, entire I life. thought you were. I thought you were putting your hands up in celebration for the fact of Jalen Hurts. I thought that's what you were doing because 
I will continue yes, what I was going to say about Hurts. 61%. Yes, Jalen Hurts. Way to go. 61. So I only have him having 61.9% completion percentage for this year. A small uptick, but 570 pass attempts given this offense with the addition of A.J. Brown. You're moving everybody down the depth chart because you're taking Devontae Smith as a rookie, and now he's a number two. You're taking Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, whoever, blah, blah, blah. They now just fall to the mm-hmm. wayside because Dallas Goddard's the number three. I think Kenneth Gainwell will take a step forward, including the passing game. So you say that Jalen Hurts gets to the low 4,000s with 25 touchdowns, I think is beyond reasonable. That's not even lofty expectations. And the key is what you just said, Funston. I have for 750 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns, maybe 808, whatever it might be. And you put all that together... And I'm referencing, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Lamar Jackson because the first time I ever really started like giving people my projections on the site, on the athletic is the year that Lamar Jackson checked in number two. I said, I didn't like it. It felt too high. I moved him down. Some of the projections, I, I manipulated his projections, moved him down and he ended up being QB seven. That was the year he finished QB one. With a bullet. I'm saying all (laughs) that to say, I'm saying all that to say my first run through projections, Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts. Are you letting Are you it ride? Standing by it? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I can. I don't think I'm going to mess with it. I think he stays oh, at number you two. Your lesson. Well done. So then you are. So you're getting aggressive then on Jalen Hurts. I have so much Jalen Hurts this year. <laughs> it's insane. I'm, I'm, I'm going down with this shit. <laughs> I'm. What's that song? Yeah. <laughs> I will go down. Yeah. With I know exactly what song you're thinking about, but. I have no idea. What you're about. <laughs> oh God, you just lost yeah. me into some little. I, I will go I down go, with this. It's shit. uh, but it's Dido. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Dido. All right, there you go. White flag. Yep, that, that one. That There'll be no uh, way. White flag. Yeah, that's I'm, it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that one. I missed that one. I missed that one for sure. I had no idea what you were talking about. But I'm with you on Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think like we know it's all going to be there. We know that the the there. There's going to be no issue in terms of uh, who's starting for this team. He would have to play just insanely horribly to ever get benched on this team. And I, I, after what he did last year, I don't think we should expect like he 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 has a established a floor. I think for himself, and maybe he's never going to get way better than that floor. But I think he has established it and put to bed the he can't be a starting quarterback discussion. Oh, of course. And I'm not going to completely straddle the fence, but I'll like I'll lay my leg over the top of it to say what I'm about to say is Jalen Hurts is 386. Number three, Herbert is 384. Number four, Patrick Mahomes is 382. So it's two, two, two Zero. points. So again, not straddling the fence. I'm just saying that that tier is about as the closest I've ever seen as, a tier in quarterbacks. I mean, the difference between them is essentially negligible, which is still a great thing when you're talking about Jalen Hurts and still a reason to get aggressive on Jalen Hurts when you consider where he goes versus where Herbert and Mahomes go. Absolutely. So A.J. Brown, obviously the big acquisition for this team in the offseason. I mean, let's just talk about this in in a, in a group because I don't think we can separate them from one another as we are evaluating the Eagles' pass catchers this season. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. We know they're going to be the top three for this team. We would expect them to be in that order, Brown, Smith, and then Goddard. Even if it falls that way, though, Jake, like, how do you – where where do things go for them? I mean, it has to like how do you how do you start thinking about drafting AJ Brown? Where do you start thinking about drafting Devontae Smith? How do you shake things out between these Eagles pass catchers? So to give you an idea, I have AJ Brown just around twenty two target share, and I have Devonta Smith right around nineteen and change. So they're about a 
point or 1.5 percentage points apart from each other. For me, then then let's put uh, AJ Brown where I thought he would be is in low end wide receiver one, and I would put him in the conversation of Omari Cooper with the Browns, uh, Tyreek Hill now with the Dolphins, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, and those types. Devontae Smith, a little bit of a bigger ding, uh, especially towards the second half of last year. There's some slight concerns. I'd put him down in the almost the thirty range now with. Amara St. Brown, Marquise Brown, Judy Sutton, seeing how that works out, volume guys like Christian Kirk. Uh, so he's now in that conversation, whereas I think if it was Devontae Smith and then a, a lesser talent to Devontae Smith as his number two, but better than what they had, Devontae Smith could have been top 15. I think this just keeps him around 30 now. I, I Just on the A.J. Brown thing, like I get why people want to take him like eight, nine at the wide receiver spot, I, I will have no A.J. Brown because that's where he's going consistently. There's going to be one guy in the draft room who always has A.J. Brown as like their eighth wide receiver. And I just I, I worry about his I worry about his health. He's missed uh, what did he missed three or four games last year and a couple games a year before. Like we've heard that there's always been kind of like this underlying knee issue with him. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been a peak and valley guy. You'll have these huge games, and then there'll be some disappearing games. And I don't wouldn't be surprised if that'll be the same kind of nature of the Philly offense that it was of the Titans offense. So I just am not like I get that he might end up with wide receiver one numbers in the end, but I think it's going to be a, a typical unsmooth ride that AJ bring, Brown brings to the table. And I just I'm out on those kind of guys. All right, Funston, let me ask you this. Let me find out when you say when on A.J. Brown. So I know I can just look at these names that are just above him. I know you're taking those guys. Uh, A.J. Brown or Tyreek Hill? I assume that's Tyreek. It's Tyreek. A.J. Brown or T. Higgins? Uh, I'm actually... Let's assume Higgins is, you know, the, the labrum is all good. Yeah, I think I'm I'm probably going A.J. Brown at that point because uh, uh, we're we're talking about a number Higgins. two versus, I I think, a number one. I, th- I think Higgins really for you, close. Jake? Actually, yeah, I, 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 not, I have Higgins at yeah, I have Higgins at twenty one percent of the Bengals target share, and then that checks him in at ninety thirteen hundred and eight touchdowns. Should so. be a, should be a big target share if that's what he ends up getting. Yeah. Funston, how about I, AJ Brown or Keenan Allen? Keenan. How about AJ Brown or DK Metcalf? AJ. <laughs> AJ Brown. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go DK Metcalf because I think those are really close. And be honest, if they're so close, I'm gonna pick my Seahawk over my my Eagles. <laughs> but I, I actually think I have them ranked back to back in my ah. rankings. I'm trying to bring up my rankings, but they're. <laughs> hey, you want to know what? Go look at DJ or DK Metcalf's numbers with Geno Smith in those like five games that he started. They were actually pretty good. I think he had. He had like two. He had like a hundred yard game, like two ninety yard games, and like a forty and a sixty. But he he had he had some good numbers under Geno Smith, which unfortunately might actually be who's starting in Week One. <laughs> that's gonna have to be. That's gonna have to be when we when we get closer to draft season, we'll have to do a debate between those two guys. Clearly, Jake's on AJ Brown there, college teammates, all that good fun stuff. That's a that'd be a fun debate as we get to, and they're gonna be close, you know. Regardless of what you, even if you're the lowest person on AJ Brown and the highest person on DK Metcalf, or vice versa, and you're gonna see them going close to one another, and even that person would have them ranked relatively close to one another. So that's a fair debate for us to have when we get a little bit closer to draft season. I think there's a big buying opportunity on Miles Sanders this year, you guys. Miles Sanders right now is RB27 at Fantasy Pros, RB27 by Underdog ADP. I'm not saying this guy should be RB17 or anything like that, but it, it's the song remaining the same in Philly. Kenneth Gainwell, 
Boston Scott. Those are the next uh, running backs on the depth chart. Gainwell's going to have a role. We know that, Jake. But, man, I just think Miles Sanders, the touches are going to be there. You've got a rushing quarterback next to him. Maybe that takes away some of the goal line touches. Maybe Boston Scott takes away some of the goal line touches. RB27 feels like we're reacting too much to the zero touchdown season of 2021. I would feel comfortable with him as something like a top 20-ish running back, 2021-22, somewhere in there. I actually completely disagree because I am an RB35. So that should tell you that I have no Miles Sanders. I have him behind Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, Kenneth Walker, Rashard Penny, Tony Tony Pollard, and up from there because I think the Eagles have told us what they've told us is they don't believe in him in the passing game. Whatever happened since his rookie season has kind of gone out the window. I liked Miles Sanders, the talent. I don't like Miles Sanders, the Eagles, because it just doesn't seem they want that. And Funston knows this is I have Kenneth Gainwell as my fifth of my I went a little bit deeper for my RB breakouts this year. And I don't have Kenneth Gainwell getting very much more than like about 110, 120 touches. But that's an improvement of what he was seeing. And I think it's just going to be a factor of it's going to be very much where we talk about backfields being 60-40 and 50-50 and blah, blah, blah. I think, and they also like Boston Scott. I think this is going to be like a 40-30-25 and then the other 5% being Kennedy Brooks if he makes the roster or somebody like that. And then the biggest factor is even if it's 40-30-25, that's after you take out Jalen Hurts' 25-plus percentage of the rushing share. I will say on Miles Sanders, I, like once they flip the switch to become that run heavy and they change the offense, he averaged like seven yards a carry over his final eight games. He didn't score a touchdown. If he scores four or five, like even if he's not used heavily in the passing game, like there's a path to being an RB two. And I think the point here is like, like I don't disagree with you, Beller, but I don't think you need to draft him like that because I've oh, been no, in, definitely don't. Yeah, I've been in multiple. I've actually taken him in a couple drafts where I got him at like RB twenty eight, RB twenty nine. If you let him fall to the back of the of the top thirty RBs, you usually can end up getting him. Uh, people, a lot of people are out of him, like Jake, and like I think he's a fair he's a fair play at the back end of the of the top thirty because there is like you know four or five four or five touchdowns. And he stays relatively healthy all year. It's a very ripe environment. Great offensive line. He's just, you know, there's a lot of yardage to be had, even if it's not in the passing game. So he there, there was a three-game stretch in the middle of last season where Miles Sanders didn't play. Then he came back for five games and then missed the last two games again because of injury. That five-game stretch, 16 for 94, 9 for 64, 24 for 120, 18 for 131, 7 for 45. And that's where he got, he got hurt again. He got dinged again in that 7 for 45 game. And so that's why he only gets seven carries. But, I mean, that is – you feel pretty good about that stretch of games if, as Funston said, you, you throw him even just two touchdowns in that stretch and it looks a whole lot better. Yep, no doubt. It's just about what's what's the touchdowns? What's mm-hmm. the, you know where what are you projecting for touchdowns, Jake? Yeah. I have for four and change. Yeah, I think four four feels four to five feels, feels about fair. right. Yeah. yeah, definitely feels fair with just all. It's an infinite improvement because <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah. multiply by zero. Yeah, right. so, yeah. <laughs> Divide by zero error improvement for Miles Sanders in the touchdown department. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
One more team, you guys, in this division to talk about, and that is the Washington Commanders. What are they commanding? No one really knows. Is there a Carson Wentz effect? Is there a meaningful, noticeable Carson Wentz effect, Jake, on this team from the quarterback play they had last year, or should we just copy and paste what we had last year to this year with just a different name doing the slinging? I think there's a mild improvement with Carson Wentz, but I don't think people realize how similar Carson Wentz's and Tyler Heineke's numbers were on metrics outside of touchdown to interception ratio. Most of their air yards, completion percentage, all those kind of numbers, like a lot of those numbers are very similar. So I think Carson Wentz will see a slight uptick in the fact of efficiency on that end. So the touchdowns might help, but overall, I'm not boosting Terry McLaurin and set other pieces too much over just Torso Wentz being there. All right. Brandon Funston is staging a Washington commander strike. So he is going to be out for, uh, for the rest of the talk <laughs> on this team. Uh, same sort of question, Jake, on the running back situation here, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, they are back running it uh, again for this squad. I mean, business as usual. Should we take what we saw from this team last year and expect generally more of the same? Should we treat, those these two running backs going into our drafts as the guys who they were last year in terms of skill set, workload, role, all that good stuff. I would say Antonio Gibson, yeah, but understand that that role might include fewer opportunities in the passing game when McKissick is healthy. You know, McKissick was headed for Buffalo. They brought him back. I'm not worried about Brian Robinson out of the fact that more of he's replacing Jared Patterson with more three down ability that he can play all three. But the biggest tell here is that Antonio Gibson, yeah, he can get 280, maybe best case scenario, 300 touches, but he's just not going to be the 300 guaranteed and then 320, 330 touch workhorse because they just don't want him to be. And that's fine that they don't want him to be because it probably also hopefully keeps him healthy for somebody who's also dealt with injuries. So I think the real situation here is that, you know, you talk about James White and his value on that podcast, if he can stay healthy being an RB3 in PPR formats, half or regular. I think McKissick's in that same conversation. Naheem Hines, well, all three of these guys are in that same bounce back. All three, all three injured, all three potential backs, bounce backs. Hines more just usage than injury versus the other two, but all three of them could be values this year from their usage standpoints. Just two years ago that McKissick had that monster year as a pretty much pass catcher only in Washington. And uh, yeah, he went back there for a reason, right? I mean, this was a guy who we all thought was going to Buffalo and then boom, pulls the rug out, goes back to D.C. So certainly could be someone who has uh, quite a bit of draft day value. Terry McLaurin, um, things did not happen for him again in the way that we hoped. It was a fine season, but things just weren't clicking for him in the passing game with Taylor Heineke last year. And I guess that he would be the guy who we would most hope there to be a meaningful Carson Wentz effect. Right now he's wide receiver 18 at Fantasy Pros, wide receiver 21 by underdog ADP. I think all of us would agree that he is better than that if we were just, you know, if environment agnostic, everyone had the exact same quarterback, the exact same environment, the exact same scheme to run in. I think Terry McLaurin would probably end up ranked better than the number 18 wide receiver, but that's not how things work here. So uh, what do you think? North of that, south of that, right around that wide receiver 18, what are your, what are you taking uh, into this season on Terry McLaurin? I'm going to take something I use on the show and the site a lot as a comparison is I think Terry McLaurin is Terry McLaurin and the fact that you can want better, but it's the comparison I often make to Anquan Bolden. He needs somebody of his level to really open things up. He's not a triple coverage breaker 
Like you go back to you know Calvin Johnson. Not every wide receiver is. That's the reason <laughs> we have are. the upper crust. <laughs> exactly. But you know, I would say like not even Justin Jefferson or even Stefan Diggs. McLaurin's in that next group. McLaurin is, you know, a great high end wide receiver too. And NFL terms, a number uh, like a basically a one B to a one A or one A to one B. He wants somebody alongside, and I don't think they have that. Even if Curtis Samuel stays healthy, and I love Dotson, I just think that McLaurin is finally just. We need to accept this is who he is. Wide receiver, sixteen to twenty four will be his finish somewhere in that range. You know who he falls in the conversation with. You know, he's a great one. The current version of Terry McLaurin that everybody finally realized is just going to be himself. It's DJ Moore. DJ Moore is Terry McLaurin. McLaurin is DJ Moore. I- Finkel is Einhorn. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Uh, John Dotson. I mean, he certainly, I guess a lot of the, all those first round guys are going to have plenty of opportunity, you would think, in their offenses. Dotson falls in line with that. What sort of opportunity are we expecting for him as a rookie this year? I am at 95 targets with bad. 15% of the team's share. Mm-hmm. And that's with Curtis Samuel getting 80 and 13. So Curtis Samuel doesn't even really get on the field much. And this is just he's lost at this point of his career already. Then you're talking maybe 17, 18% for Dotson as a rookie. And all of a sudden you're talking 100 plus targets and could be in the conversation as one of the three best rookie wide receivers. But the thing is, is why he won't get to 20% plus is because this is also we're talking about between Gibson and McKissick out of the backfield, you're probably accounting anywhere from 15 to 20% of the team's targets are going right there to start. So similar to the Jalen Hurts rushing cap on what it does to that backfield, you have a target share cap coming out of this backfield. Yeah, you, de- you definitely do. We know that is the case. And then yeah, maybe Logan Thomas can get in here. Now, we know that Logan Thomas tore his ACL week 13 against the Seahawks, so it's still a ways back, but we are starting to see nine months become more of the timetable, whereas when you and I, Jake, started playing fantasy, it was more like a year was the timetable to really be <laughs> back from a torn ACL. Wide receiver, or excuse me, tight end 15 uh, over at Fantasy Pros. He's 24 by underdog ADP. It's probably not going to rise much higher than that unless we get great news about the knee and about his recovery You know, by middle of July, beginning of August. But this feels like, you know, this was a guy I was referencing at the beginning of the show when I said there's another one of those tight ends who will drop down into the end of the show. This is the guy who I was talking about. It feels like this is someone who could quickly get back in our fantasy lives once we see uh, a return to something at least close to, if not complete, full health. Definitely could be. Uh, the real problem is that at that point, uh, it's it's do you just wait and throw it up and say, I'll just draft the end and take Logan Thomas or Gerald Everett or Austin Hoopers, mm-hmm. or do you try to jump in that tier right before then? So that's all it comes down to. Yeah, I think that there's upside. The biggest problem is does he stay healthy? And there, there's been a lot of talk that Washington likes Bates, though. So it, it, this might be even a tight end share, even if he stays on the field. I like the opportunity. I'm with you. Uh, I just don't know. This is going to be one to watch to see what their split use or snap use is going to be preseason wise. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting team for sure. It's an interesting position to look at an interesting player to look at wrapping up not only our look at the Washington Commanders, but this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. Our run through each of the eight divisions continues next week. Which division will it be? Well, we've only got four left. I don't know which one it's going to be, but by time we get together next Tuesday, we will know and we'll have a lot of fun 
going through it. That will do it for TAFFP this week. For Jake and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. See you.